I really had to grow into optimism. It wasn't a natural state for me. I think like many of us, I used pessimism as a form of self-protection. And so really I came to optimism out of necessity. Um, I needed it in order to function during a really hard time. Um, I wish I had been optimistic all of my life, um, but I wasn't. I have, I've had to sort of uh, train myself to be optimistic and sort of work it like, like a muscle almost. Hi, I'm Barbara Humpton, CEO of Siemens USA, and welcome to the Optimistic Outlook podcast. This is the last episode we'll be putting out in 2020, and what a year it's been. So I thought it would be good for us to actually lift up our heads a bit as we think about infrastructure, America's infrastructure and our future. Let's also think about the core subject of the whole podcast series, the optimistic outlook. It does more than just help us respond to the situation we're in at a moment. It does more than help us build resilience. Optimism actually helps us transform and build a better future. To join me in this conversation today, I have writer and poet Maggie Smith, who has recently published her, her book of thoughts and essays called Keep Moving. You may know Maggie as the author of a viral poem, Good Bones. We've been familiar now with her through her transformative work. And today we have a chance to hear from her about her personal journey from pessimism to optimism. This gives me hope that we don't have to be born optimists. We can teach ourselves, we can, we can practice optimism and in doing so become more optimistic. And then together I'm looking forward to building a wonderful 21 and beyond. Maggie Smith, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Just last month, I had the chance to read Keep Moving. And I have to tell you, it was just such an inspiration for me. I know that our audience has been tuning in to the optimistic outlook, and we've been talking a lot about infrastructure. But today, we're talking about the process of coaching ourselves to be optimists. Take us inside the book. Tell us about the life events that were going on as you really gave birth to this work? Well, every ending is also a beginning. And so as my marriage was ending, I started writing this book without realizing I was writing a book. Um, Keep Moving started as a series of daily notes to self. I called them self-pep talks that I would write in the morning first thing just to kind of set the intention for the day, and I posted them on social media each morning, mostly as a way to hold myself accountable for the intention, but also as a way of kind of coming clean and uh, aligning my public life with the life I was living inside my home, which I think is maybe something we have. Um, we face challenges doing that with, with the curated social media space sometimes. Um, and so I just did that every day and it felt good to do it day one. So I did it day two and it felt good to do it day two. So I did it day three and some surprising things happened. Um, people really reached out and the response was overwhelming. And even though I was writing these notes to myself for myself, I was hearing from people every day that they were meeting them where they were 
with whatever the challenge was that they were facing. And, and maybe it was divorce, or maybe it was a job loss, or a career change, or a scary diagnosis, um, whatever the thing was that was giving them that sort of what now feeling in their own lives. Um, and the idea for the book came from them. Uh, people were asking for a book. That's not typically how I write. <laughs> but, um, but people asked for something that they could have on a bedside table or something they could give to a friend. And so uh, in creating the book, I pulled together the most loved of the quotes and then wrote uh, a bunch of new ones that I never shared online. And then I wrote six personal essays to weave through those quotes to, to give them context and, and to make the, make the experience uh, a little richer. And you actually put this into three sections, which remarkably, to me, sort of align with the way we at Siemens have been thinking through this year, this year of crises. So revision, and then resilience, and then transformation. I wonder if we could begin with revision. I'd love for you to read one of your quotes to us. And, and the one I would love to hear from you is from page five. Stop straining to hold the door to the past open as if your old life is there waiting and you could just slip right in. Stop wasting your strength because you can't go back. Muscle your way forward. Keep moving. Keep moving. This is just a real message about needing to keep your eyes forward and, and not trying to hang on to things that aren't anymore. And I think so many of us actually face those moments. Uh, you know, it's as I said, in this year of crises, we've all had to sort of grieve for the things that we can't do any longer. And I'll share with you that I was born an optimist. Our audience has heard me say over and over again that I've had this natural optimistic outlook that I've, that's just been part of who I am throughout my life. But that's not the way you started. You describe yourself as a pessimist. Yeah, I joke in the book that I'm um, a recovering pessimist. Um, and reading that note, reading uh, the note about muscling my way forward, I can tell it's uh, from early in writing about this experience. It's interesting if I go back through chronologically and read notes from early on, I can see the emotional state I was in at that time. And then as I kept going, I can see words like anger and grief kind of falling away and words like possibility and hope rising to the surface. Um, I really had to grow into optimism. It wasn't a natural state for me. I think like many of us, I used pessimism as a form of self-protection, which is to say, if I expect the worst and the worst happens, I was right, first of all. We love to be right. Um, I was right, I was smart, I saw that coming, right? Um, but also I've somehow steeled myself against the hurt and disappointment of that loss or that failure. And so it, I've protected myself from being too vulnerable. Um, and, you know, hoping 
And being optimistic is vulnerable. You're opening yourself up to the possibility of everything, the good and the bad. And it, it took me a while to realize that expecting the worst doesn't actually protect you from the worst happening. It just ruins the interim period <laughs> before you realize what's really going to happen. So, you know, enjoying the sun while it's shining instead of thinking about when the, rex the next rainstorm might come, because it might be tomorrow, it might be two weeks from now, it might not be until six months out that the next storm in your life hits. Um, so why ruin all that perfectly good sunshine thinking about that? And so really I came to optimism out of necessity. Um, I needed it in order to function during a really hard time. Um, I wish I had been optimistic all of my life, um, but I wasn't. I have, I've had to sort of uh, train myself to be optimistic and sort of work it like like a muscle almost. Well, this is what I love so much about your work because here I had been assuming that we're born optimists or born pessimists. And, and what I'm trying to build is my own growth mindset. And you showed me. And, and actually what you've given your readers is something of, um, of a, a roadmap for getting to optimism. Because if each of us simply keep moving and with the lessons you teach us through your thoughts each in, in each of these, uh, you're teaching us to leave behind the things that we don't control and the things that aren't any longer and, and to open up the space for the new. Uh, in an earlier episode of this podcast, uh, I got to chance to talk to Peter Willis. He was the interviewer in the Resilient Leadership Project, talking to 12 leaders throughout the coronavirus pandemic. And he gave us this mindset, which is, imagine this, we could fail, but what would it look like if we didn't? And right, so it's this, this process of envisioning something new which can actually be a tremendous part of resilience. And I'd love to move into the resilience section with you. And, and I'm hoping, again, you'll read for us from the quote on page 110. Reflect on what you've lived through. And look, you're still here. Look back at the road you've traveled to get to this place and know you've built the strength to travel the next stretch and the next one and the next Keep moving. Keep moving. And I, I reflect on leaders throughout history. In fact, I mean, I, suddenly what you got me thinking about is the fact that every great story is really built around the concept of hardships and, and prevailing over, over crises and tragedy. And so, so you've experienced that yourself. When you're in that phase of resilience, tell me about the the different things you had to see and notice in order to keep moving? I think the, the key to the book's title is really about um, pressing forward and making small steps and reframing experience and sort of getting a different perspective. And I think I realized fairly early on in this project that if I just took one small step each day, that was enough. 
It doesn't have to be, I don't have to move a mile in a day. I just have to take one step in the right, di in the right direction, make one good choice, do the next right best thing. And that seemed manageable. And I think that sometimes when we're really struggling and experiencing difficulty, and certainly all of us are this year, um, one of the things that seems so daunting is we see a wide gap perhaps be between where we are and where we want to be or where we need to be. And yes, we could fail, but what might be possible? And realizing that it's enough to only know the next right step or maybe the next two or three. And I, I realized in, in that sort of year span of working on this book that it was enough to be able to light my way just maybe the three steps in front of me. And I didn't have to be able to shine my beam all the way down the road. I didn't need to know what life this year would look like or next year would look like. I just needed to get through that day or that week or sometimes in the really tough days, the, that three hour stretch. And so what choice could I make that would make those three hours more livable? You know, I mean, something you just said made me realize that you know, hope is imaginative, right? We have to be able to picture a future moment that is better than the present moment we're living right now. And that takes courage and it takes a lot of, it does take vulnerability. And so I equate vulnerability with strength, right? You have to be soft in a way to be strong and sort of put yourself out there and trust Trust that you'll be able to get yourself there. Uh, and that was really the, the sort of writing this book was a real time action for me of getting myself from the place I was to a better place. So that brings us through to, you know, what to me was the most exciting part of the book, transformation, because uh, it, it felt to me like... Um, you were now reaching that place where, where I like to live as an optimist. Um, and, and you really showed me that space in new and different ways. One of my favorite uh, concepts was actually your daughters. When a tree comes down, does the sky say, ah, oh, now I get to spread out more blue? Well, you know, the things that we cut away do make space for the things that are to come. And so this whole concept of metamorphosis and transformation is so incredibly powerful. I wonder if there's one thought that you would pick out from this section that you'd like to share with our audience. So I thought maybe um, I flipped through the last section and I thought maybe I'd read the last the last quote in the book, because it's it's really a quote about gratitude. And I don't know a way to joy um, or a way um, to sort of living life as an optimist without gratitude. I mean, even in our darkest moments, even in our worst years, we need to be able to not only have hope for the future, but be able to see the goodness in the present. And I think sometimes we we consider optimism forward thinking only, but I think it's also about looking around and seeing what's what's in our midst now. Uh, so this is, this is the last quote in the book, something I've been thinking a lot about this pandemic year. Remember when you would have been over the moon thrilled to have just a fraction of your life as it is now? 
Look around you. It is enough. Keep moving. It is enough. It is enough. What a powerful thought. Maggie, one of the things that you introduce us to is this idea of um, yourself and being yourself and actually maybe even recognizing that there was an old self and there is a future self. One question I have for you is, what would you tell your future self? What, What words would you share today to to help your future self? Oh, I think about this all the time. Um, More in terms of decision-making, like what decisions can I make today that will help set my future self up for greater happiness and greater peace? Um, I don't know what advice I would have (laughs) for that that person. Um, Sometimes I wish I could go back and tell my past self a few things, um, reassure her in some ways or, or warn her against some things. But I think, I think about the choices I make on a daily basis as being choices I make on behalf of the future self. Um, what I do today impacts my life tomorrow and my children's lives tomorrow. And what I do or say or don't do and say today can either set me on a sort of the right path to getting um, to sort of being more at peace in my life next year or in five years or in 10 years, or I can make things more difficult for myself. Um, And I don't wanna get in my own way. That's one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is how to get out of my own way and not become a barrier um, in my own life, either because I'm making decisions based on fear or um, stubbornness or, or whatever the, the least, um, the sort of the least, the least good parts of ourselves. So always trying to lead with compassion and think, um, think about what would be best, not just for me, but for the other people in my life. And if I think about that when I do and say things, then I'm, I'm sort of doing my future self a favor. That's a fantastic concept. And and I'll share with you, I think it's something that can work in so many different ways. Uh, Maggie, today we, Siemens, and those listeners and viewers who are actually engaged in building the future, uh, building the, the, the core of our economy, the infrastructure that drives our everyday, we, we're people who have a responsibility to build the future in a way, and and the decisions we make today need to be sure to set us up for success in the future. And we ought to be thinking about what do we need to do to get out of our own way? What are the assumptions we have today that we could set aside? And what are the dreams we have for the way things should be? And then what would we need to be doing today so that we can realize those dreams. So I'm feeling like this is a book, Keep Moving, that can work for us on so many levels. It can teach us as as people. It It can teach us as humans, but it can also get us thinking about these roles we play in our work lives, in our in our home lives. And then I'm with you that the true joy comes when our inside lives and our outside lives get to align and we get to do the things that bring us joy. 
one of the things you introduced here in Keep Moving is the idea, which is it's age old, but it feels fresh as you present it. This idea that everything in the past is gone and the future is not yet happening. In this present moment, we, we have so much opportunity and an infinite number of possibilities. And so in order to keep from being paralyzed by the potential, we should keep moving and, and keep moving in the direction of that, that alignment and that authenticity and that joy that we know is out there for us. I love that. I love that. A wise person uh, said to me recently, you should wake up every morning and ask yourself, what else is possible I've been doing that and I think it's so I think it's so wise. What else is possible? You know, dream big. Think big. Um don't make yourself small and don't assume your life must be small. Um dream big and keep pressing forward. Maggie Smith, your words are such a gift to us. And we could think of no better way to close out our first year of the optimistic outlook than to hear from you. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you. Please follow us on social media and on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you for tuning in.